Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, this Lord. This day, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come to your throne room of grace, O Lord, seeking for mercy, seeking for grace in time of need. Speak to our hearts this evening, O Lord. Speak to me, through me, and to each one of us. Grant us, Father, the gift of repentance and the gift of obedience. And Lord, cause us to walk in your ways. Teach us, anoint us to that end we pray. Forgive us, cleanse us, wash us by the water of your word. We surrender each one of us into your hands. Bring all of those who are coming to your house safely, Lord. And Lord, we believe that we will be blessed because we came. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at... Uh, this verse from Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, um, uh, where, as it, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We were looking at this particular passage, expounding over it uh, in the past several Wednesdays and also in the Sundays. Interesting that um, we have a Bible study on Monday with the children. Grace home. We were looking at a very interesting verse from Proverbs chapter 14. This is what it says. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 11. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Um, what we do on uh, Monday mornings, uh, Monday evenings, is that we go through Proverbs uh, verse by verse and we are we have reached Proverbs chapter 14 over several months. I think we started last year. Yeah, last year. And every Monday we have like one or two verses we delve and try to understand what uh, the Lord is teaching us and how we apply in our lives. I'm not going to name names, okay? This is, uh, I'm reading a book called uh, Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And in that he says that everything that happens to a preacher in his day-to-day life Affects his preaching. Okay. So, <laughs> so if I come and take a Bible study and I always have material to say from the pulpit. It's very interesting. You need to understand our children are very smart. They, and they know doctrine very well. And the moment I was, I didn't even try to expound this verse and I said the house of the wicked and the tent of the upright. And one of them said, uncle, Lot built house. Abraham lived in tents. Stunned. I mean, that is just an understatement. I mean, I've just, we looked at another previous verse. They are quite doctrinally sound, okay? So I said, boy, I've been possibly, possibly a teenager, okay, maybe 14 or 15 years old. 
And I was thinking when I was 15 years old, if I would have read Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 11, I would have never said, Lord build house and Abraham build build tents. And then of course we were trying to understand what this verse meant and you know, you need to understand children these days, they, especially if they're, if, if from GDC, they know their word very well. I mean, the other day, my sister-in-law's birthday and Abigail was writing a card for her and she was writing a verse in the card and she was explaining to my, my sister-in-law what that verse meant. This is what the verse says, okay? And in plain KJV, if you will, they know. But let me tell you something. Just because our children know the word, just because they come to a church and they, they might like our church, they might like coming to church, and I think uh, Tim Keller, one of his sermons says that, they might like Christian morals and Christian principles and reading the Bible, etc., etc., but until and unless they have a personal encounter with Christ, they will always be living for their idols. And that is possibly one of the reasons why in John's Gospel, I mean, 1 John chapter 5, the last verse, he says, little children flee idolatry. Why does he say that? Because, you know, Abigail can just grow up in a Christian home or any one of us, grace home children, can grow up in a Christian home and, um, uh, you know, they can subscribe to the Christian doctrine, but unless they have a personal encounter with God, they'll be living for themselves, they'll be living for their carriers, for their wives, for their girlfriends, or what have you. They'll be living for their idols. I mean, how did I prove this point? We expounded this verse. And then I asked the question to some of the children. And I'm just doing a... I'm not picking on any one of you. Okay, I'm not just taking names. And this is an example only. Uh, not judging any one of you. Because this is only to show our own hearts. All of us. And I asked them a question. I asked them, what will make you happy? Some of the answers were stunning. Candid. Some... Contrived some. Interesting. And also disappointing. One of them. I was stunned. And she said. I want to be an Olympian. Olympics. Not even pics. Olympics uncle. I looked at her. I said really? And everybody else said yes. Just says uncle. Uncle. She's. Really fast runner, uncle. I said, boy, I never knew and knew. And I'm not down, I mean, I'm not looking down upon her, okay? I mean, she could possibly be one a very good athlete. I don't know, maybe. But she has the confidence to say, I want to be an Olympian. That's fantastic. You know, you can map names if you know Grace Home. You'll know who that person is. And another guy said, very algorithmic. Very, very algorithmic. And you know who this person is if you know Grace Home. Uncle, knowledge, career, money. That order. Fantastic. I said, boy, you are absolutely algorithmic. I want to gain knowledge so that I can make a career. Ultimately, I want to make money. Period. Very, very disciplined in his mind. This is right after we studied Proverbs chapter 14 verse 11. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Another guy. Wealth. Dhanam mulam midam jagat. Okay. Very clear. I want to earn lots and lots and lots and lots of money. One person said, cardiologist. <laughs> I had a heart attack almost. 
I mean, they will be, I'm not down, I, I really pray to God that they'll become, I'm not looking down upon them, and some of them are really smart, okay? When I, when I look at Graceham, some of you guys are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. You're actually living, if I were to look at you, and I would make a candid statement, you're Olympians living a national lifestyle. Whoever has years to hear, let him hear. <laughs> Cardiologist, very good. Another person said, Uncle, cinema, movies, pleasure. I mean, I, this was me, okay. I would, this is exactly what I was when I was possibly a teenager, I was doing my engineering, I said, Mama, I'm going to work hard for my exams. After the exam, I'm going for a movie. Don't stop. I'm going alone. You're a mad fellow. Movies. Some of them said, I want to settle my family. And some of them said, I want to have a lot of friends. Conspicuous in his absence is God. That's the sad part. That's the disappointing part. That's what I'm trying to say. You, you, this is this is just this is a microcosm. Okay, you have, I don't don't judge children at Grace Home. No, 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 no. This is just a sample space. You know, if you're a statistician, you take a sample space. And uh, somebody wanted the other day. Uh, he said, Uncle Pasavijay, I'm writing my psychology exam. I have a statistics paper. Can you can you help me out? I said, Okay, that's what I did to my wife. I'll help you out as well. No problem. So statistics, you take a sample space. You make observations on the sample space and then you extrapolate to the general crowd. That's exactly what I did. I took a sample space, asked them a few questions, made a survey, (laughs) and I did an exit poll. (laughs) God was missing in the poll. There was this man in the Bible who was... All this. Olympian, knowledge, career, money, wealth, movies, etc. Whatever you want it. He was the one who said, no, there's nothing new under the sun. What is, will be also. And we know that person's name. And we'll just look at one verse of his in First Kings chapter 4 verses 29 to 34. God gave Solomon. Who gave? Oh, that's rem- remarkable. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind, wisdom, understanding, breadth of mind. He was absolutely well read. Every field, in other words. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of the Egyptians, of of Egypt. In other words, he was more, more wise than Moses because Moses was trained in all the wisdom of Egyptians, remember? So Solomon was wiser than Moses, but not as wise as Jesus, and let me tell you, potentially not as wise as the least in the kingdom of heaven. That's my thesis. Anyway, let's move on. For he was wiser than all men, wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite, his peers, him and Calcol. In other words, they, they, they used to write papers and they used to send it to their peer groups to review. <laughs> and he used to come on tops, in other words. Okay, Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mehol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. 
Then he wrote 3,000 proverbs and sang 1,005 songs. He's a musician, boy. Par excellence, if you will. He spoke of trees. Cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out on the walls. Spoke of also beasts or birds. He was a scientist, a biologist, a zoologist, what have you. Of reptiles and of fish. People of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And from all the kings of the earth who heard of his wisdom. But then something happens to this man. And you'll find what happens to him when you read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of the most depressing, I mean, uh, see this, this message was preached in, on June 18th, 2014, but not exactly this, okay? I titled this message on the same lines. That is, uh, I, if, when, under the sun versus under the sun. If you know, if you were in our church, you would possibly know it. That was according to Pastor James. This is according to Pastor Vijay, okay? But that's, but the gist is the same. So what happened to this man? At the end of his life, this is what he has to write. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, Koholetz, that's a, that's a Hebrew. Koholetz, preacher, some people call him professor, teacher, head of the assembly, etc, etc. I mean, a very difficult word in the Hebrew to translate literally what it means. It has got a, it's got a wide spectrum of meanings and most precise would be a professor. The son of, the, son of David, king of Jerusalem, vanity. <laughs> Vanity of vanity, says the professor. In other translations, meaningless. What does man gain by all toil which he toils under the sun? If you want to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, it's one of the most confusing, very difficult book to read, understand, unlock, decode, what have you. Because... Solomon has this brainstorm and he makes a fabulous statement and the very next statement he just contradicts himself. A man is absolutely depressed. He's gone. He's out of his mind in some, in some, in some, in in certain cases. So if you look at this, there are several words which occur. The word under the sun, by the way, occurs 27 times. Vanity occurs 34 times. Striving after the wind occurs nine times. Uh, some translations will say grasping after the air. I mean, can you grasp the air? Obviously you can't. That's it. Under the sun, 27 times. Vanity, 34 times. Striving after the wind. God, 40 times. Don't get too excited, by the way. Just because there's God. We'll tell you what God he's talking about here. We'll just try to uh, decode that. That's what I've titled this today's message. Under the sun or versus under the S-O-N, the sun. This is, of course, according to Pastor Vijay. Pastor James, I I would really encourage you to listen to that. A transcript is there. I want to make a few observations before we start. Observation number one. Beware of drift. Losing focus and neglect. And finally falling away. This is exactly what has happened to Solomon. Drift, not very inconspicuous. You cannot realize how drift is. It happens gradually. Gradually it happens. Nobody knows. Slowly you move away. Drift and drift and drift and drift away generally. By the time you even realize you're so far away from the course. And it's, it's, it's absolutely sometimes impossible to make any course corrections. 
That is the reason why in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 will say, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So you can drift, you can... and. Solomon is a classic case of a man who lost his focus, neglected his gift, and finally fell away. Some theologians say that Ecclesiastes is a book of repentance of Solomon, but I strongly disagree with them. Very, very famous theologians, by the way. You know, you are somehow in a, <laughs> in a, in a, in a, in a hurry or, you know, you, you have this, Lust to justify Solomon, but God doesn't justify him and just leaves it open. Another observation, therefore, take care, take care, brothers, therefore, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading to you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another daily as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ if we hold on, hold our original confidence firm to the end. Okay? First thing, therefore I learn, very, very easy to drift. And therefore, every, we need to exhort one another every day. Every day. Every day. You know, you need, one of, you need to see the statistics even in our own church. How many people are serious about Wednesday? That will actually determine, according to me, their spiritual destiny. Another observation. It is very important how you finish your race. Very. The word God, by the way, how do I know that, but that Solomon didn't finish this race properly? The word God, which is Elohim, is, is, is mentioned 40 times. Which is also called Almighty. Almighty God. You know, this word Almighty is used by everybody. You know who is it's used by? Almighty is used by Hindu. It is used by Muslim. It is used by Buddhist. Everybody uses God. Elohim. No problem. One of the words that is very conspicuous in his absence in the entire book of Ecclesiastes, the other name for God, which is Jehovah. How many times does it occur? Zero. What does that tell me? Elohim is general. Almighty. Yahweh is covenant. Yahweh speaks about relationship. Yahweh speaks about communion. Yahweh speaks about fellowship. Covenant keeping God. A God of the covenant. Not even mentioned even once. Can you believe that? The same man who prayed in Second Chronicles, or First Chronicles chapter 7, he said, if your people called by your name will humble themselves and etc., etc., the same man, he doesn't even mention Jehovah in his entire book even once. Generally, he says God. Whereas if you read David's literature, the Lord, Jehovah Nakapari. The Lord, the Lord, every psalm of his is Yehovah. 
You know why? That speaks about relationship. That speaks about covenant. A man who has no longer a relationship with God. He has become dead in his relationship. Because of neglect. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Take care brothers lest there be in any of you, any one of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the what God? Ah, from the living God. It's just not God. It is the living God. That is, therefore, everything about Christianity is a living living thing. I mean, it's a living word. The word of God is powerful and living, sharper than a two-edged sword. It is a living way. It's living faith. Everything about God is living. And neglect can kill anything. Living God. That is the reason why in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven stars, seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are gone. There is no relationship anymore. And he says, wake up, strengthen what remains and which is about to die. For I have not found your works perfect or complete. In the sight of my God. And he's telling every one of us. His warning. So you just read, don't read Sardis and say. Think about in your own lives. What are. What is there in your life which you know is dead. It's thinking. That part of your relationship with God is not there. It's not, there's no enjoyment of, of, your, of, your, of your relationship. When you read the word it's absolutely closed. When you pray it's brass. When you worship there's no joy. When you pray, you, you, you're not sure what you're praying. You, there's, no co- there's no coherence in your speech. You know, sometimes I speak to believers, I see how they jump from one topic to the other, one topic to the other. There's no coherence, there's no thought pattern which is there. They're absolutely all over the place. You know why? It's a sign of deadness which is coming into their lives. Deadness. There's no coherence when they pray. There's no, there's, they're not able to reason with their minds. They've lost their sense of reason. These are two warnings which I wanted to take to my own heart and encourage each one of you. But how did he reach there? How did this man who, who began under God ended up under sun? What does it mean to be under the sun? Look at what he says in Ecclesiastes. Life under the sun. He describes for us. Chapter 2. I said in my heart. First thing he says, you know what? Pleasure project. Let's enjoy. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, there is vanity. This also was vanity. I said to laughter, it is mad. (laughs) Can you believe that? And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. And that is the problem, you see. In all these things, you think you are still steady. Or you think that your wisdom is still with you. (laughs) But you don't understand it is getting corrupted. Slowly and slowly and slowly because you lost focus. Why? Because you want to indulge in pleasure, especially in laughter. I mean, one of the things that, especially in, 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 in Telugu land... People love his comedy movie. Prasa. Satire. Sarcasm. 
That was a very interesting observation about, about comedians, by the way. This is in psychology today. This is psychology. This is what, this is what they have to say. No big shock to hear about comics being depressed. After Robin Williams' death to suicide, John Belushi's overdoses or Richard Jenny's suicide, there were people who couldn't believe it and said, but they are so funny. But all the comedians understood what was happening. You know what the comedy comedians say? Comics, however, understood. We know that the funniest people are surrounded by darkness. The deeper the black hole, the... The deeper the black hole, the more humor you need to dig yourself out of it. Comedy and tragedy are a team. Isn't that amazing? Now think about it. Now even even in our own thing, if you listen to stand-up comedians once upon a time, it was how wilder and wilder they become. They use more and more shock value to cause people to laugh. And one of the reasons why I stopped listening to Russell Peters when I was in Canada is to watch him a lot. More and more profanity. And you'll see his life absolutely a mess. Why? Charlie Chaplin, he puts it beautifully. You know, We all like him. Look at what he says, Charlie Chaplin. To truly laugh, you must be able to take your pain and play with it. Truly laugh. You must be able to take your pain and play with it. And you see, even in our own culture, most of the comedians are drunkards even in the cinema. They're all comedians. They're drunkards. They're given to wine, but they make you laugh. You know why? Because they have mastered the art of turning their pain into and playing with it. Solomon realizes that. Pleasure project. I mean, for me also, the same thing. I used to watch movies like crazy. Start in the morning, go in the night, go on and on and on and on. Season one, season two, season three. You know what? By the time you finish all the seasons, you're seasoned out completely. Zoned out! And you want more and more and more! Never satisfy you. Have you realized that? How many of you came out of the movie and said, I was completely satisfied? They want more. They always talk about the next movie. Do you know that? Uh, we know one of the famous movies that is running around in Tollywood is Arjun Reddy. It's now already the next movie. Where is? What are you doing making next which will give us more shock value? It's called the cult classic of the Shiva. While Pleasure project. Look at what he says in the next one. He says, okay, fine. Some people find pleasure in movies. Some people find pleasure in work. (laughs) Workaholics. Look at what he says. I made great works. I built houses, planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had great possessions of herds and flocks. More than any who had been before me in Jerusalem, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women and many concubines, the delights of the son of man. Read this book, you'll get more and more depressed. 
So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And you know what he says? Also my wisdom still remained with me. You see the deception of that. You know what is actually happening? The wisdom which is from above suddenly is becoming earthly, sensual and what? Ultimately, demonic. Okay, fine. Some people find pleasure in their works. So what do they do? They go on. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. From my heart found no pleasure in all my, found pleasure in all my toil. And this was the reward of all my toil. Then I considered all that my hearts had done and the toil that I expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know something, let me ask, let me tell you something. Somebody, I, I think Zach Poonudu made a very fantastic statement. He said, why, uh, generally people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from others' mistakes. And these things have been written for us upon which the ends of the world have come. And then he, then he says, okay, fine. Whatever. I still worked hard. Therefore I turned my heart and despite of all the labor in which I toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. Do you know that's exactly what happens in many, many, many homes where the father labors and labors and amasses a huge amount of wealth with all his wisdom and his labor and his sons or his children. That's exactly what happened to Japan. The, the, the older class were all workaholics in Japan. They worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. They made this country out of small island, one of the richest creditor nations in the world. And you know what the older generation talks about the younger generation? The younger generation is sucking up the wealth of their parents. Sucking up, literally. Timothy Keller was talking about this. He said, if people who started Princeton and Harvard and Yale know what is happening now. You know Princeton University? Which boasts of great theologians like Jonathan Edwards who started as a seminary and had this great people, Albert Einstein, Andrew Giles, Andrew Wiles or Giles, John Nash, what have you. If you go there now, one of the most anti-God places on the whole earth. And then what would have happened? If the older generation would come back and see what is happening there now, they would say, give our money back. That would, that's what they would have said. But it's too late now. It's gone. It's over. And then he said, okay, let, let me do one thing. Okay, fine. This working hard, let me do something else. Let me study, Baba. Let me gain knowledge. Okay, art may both pleasure hai, but that is not satisfying. Let me, let me just gain knowledge and wisdom. So what did he do? He goes on. In chapter, uh, um, chapter 2, he says, so I turned and considered wisdom and madness and folly. For <laughs> wisdom, okay. Madness and folly, psychology, psychiatry, etc. For what can a man do who comes after the king only what has already been done? Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. Fantastic. <laughs> very interesting. It's a very obvious thing, no? There is definitely more gain in wisdom than folly. You don't have to test whether folly is folly. And there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived, wow, that whatever happens to the fool, 
also happens to the wise. Okay, sorry. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring what? Remembrance. You see in the movie Troy. Yeah, Troy. The first scene, not the first scene, one of the one of the first scenes. Agamemnon is waging war against the Thessalonians. So Agamemnon comes with his entire army and the Thessalonican army is there and the Agamemnon's army is here. They cross against each other and the king comes and he says to Agamemnon, just get out of my land. He says, I like your land. I think we'll stay. And the other guy says, you can't have the old world. But I love it. And then he says, let us settle it the old way. Your best man against our best man. You remember that story, that scene? Yeah. And then this big, tall Thessalonican comes like that with his huge shoulders and his spear in his hand, etc., etc. And Agamemnon shouts out, Achilles! Achilles is there somewhere in his tent. And a small boy goes and wakes him up from his sleep and he says, he's calling out for you. There's a big man fighting for you. And he tells Achilles, I saw that man. He's so big. So big. If I were you, I wouldn't fight him. And Achilles says, that is the reason why nobody will remember your name. Remembrance. Remembrance. I did a lot of thesis on movies, by the way, you know what by the... <laughs> Watch some scenes over and over again with a critical eye. That's what a lot of time. So I... Hated life, boy, ultimately. And then he says, okay, fine, 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 fine. Wisdom mein panga hai, pleasure mein panga hai, knowledge mein panga hai, work mein panga hai. Let me do something else. Let me do something. Righteousness. Righteous works. At least that will satisfy me. He goes on. Chapter 3. Moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time for every every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they themselves may, uh, may see that they themselves are like what? Animals. That is the reason why you have red cross and you also have blue cross. You know what? That's exactly what people do. Fight for corruption. Against corruption, not for. Against corruption. Fight for people who are dying on the streets. That is Red Cross. Fight for animals. Blue Cross. Nothing to do with the cross. animals, they also have a soul. That's exactly what they say. Look at what it says. Surely, they all have one breath. Man has no advantage of over animals. All is vanity. And then he comes to a fantastic conclusion. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward and the spirit of the animal which goes to the earth. Who knows? He forgot about the resurrection also. Can you believe it? In other words, think about it. In other words, if this is your only life, okay, 
everything is futile <laughs> it's coming to that conclusion there's no point no there's no point working hard getting up in the morning going and doing all that stuff getting married and having children and get bringing your head over what will happen to their future and etc there's no point if everybody is going to the earth there's no point at all in all of these things A very interesting verse think about it no a lot of people where they work and they work and they work and they work and they work, you never satisfy them. Some people realize it. Some people work more. You know, the gift of realization is actually a gift. I am working, 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 working. There is no satisfaction. It is called frustration. IT employees this prop this normal term frustration. Full generation full of frustration. Why? I'll tell you why. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. Fantastic verse. Okay. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. Why? Because creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but by what was subjected in hope. By whom? By Him. So that the entire creation will be liberated from its bondage to corruption and attain to the glory of the children of God. You know what God did? I will frustrate your plan. I will frustrate your plan. I will frustrate your plan. Your plan, your plan, your plan, your plan. You've been planning and working and planning. I'll send frustration. I will send you the gift of futility. That's what Tim Keller calls it. Some people realize it is futile. Some people even more work more hard. If there are 24 hours, they will work 48 hours. That's exactly what my boss does. You want to meet my boss? There's a specific time he's always there. 10 o'clock in the night. When most of them, most of us are sleeping. He's there. I asked my, my boss one day when we were going to chai at 3 in the morning. 3 in the morning, okay. I said, sir, how do you manage life and marriage? Lab and marriage? He said, Vijay, it's very difficult. That is the reason why I said don't get married. He's like Apostle Paul, okay? Learn from me, don't get married, okay? It is good for you not to get married for the lab. And every time somebody says, Sir, I'm getting married, you would say, oh, yeah. I mean, he would say, he's happy, but he said, Oh no. After that fellow goes out, he says, What will happen to my lab? Frustration. Futility gives a gift of futility. So that you will realize something is happening. That is the reason why St. Augustine puts it beautifully. You know what he says? Look at what he says. St. Augustine. Almighty God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in Luke chapter 20 verse 34, Jesus answered and said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. In other words, he was telling the Pharisees, the Sadducees who do not believe in resurrection. What will happen? Seven wives, seven husbands and this, this lady also died. What will happen in the resurrection? He says, in the resurrection, you don't even understand. They are going to be like the angels. 
I was presented this book by Pastor James C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, and I loved it. I just couldn't just stop reading. This is what he has to say in one of his chapters on hope. Look at what he says. Fantastic. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, it's elementary, Watson. You see, he's 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 like literally like Sherlock Holmes, ca- cancelling out all probable occurrences and coming to a solution which is even most improbable should be the most probable. What is the most probable? The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, he goes on to say, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. (laughs) No, 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 no. Probably earthly pleasures were only meant to satisfy it, uh, were not never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it. To suggest the real thing. Ah, you see, like Pastor was talking about the science, it's a sign, it's a pointer, it's a parable, in other words. To suggest the real thing, if that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise it or to be unthankful for these earthly pleasures or blessings. And on the other hand, never to make mistake, to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo, or mirage. Can we just give him a clap for this, please? I mean, if I were a... <laughs> this is kya baat hai? I mean, you would, if, I, if Pastor James was reading out, I would have said clap. Kya baat hai? It's a fantastic answer. You know what? In other words, he's telling, he's expounding one of Paul's fantastic verses when he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Most miserable. And other translations. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world. In other words, if a Christian is walking, Are, I don't have money, I don't have car, and I don't... You know what is a bad testimony, Baba? If you are happy with the least, and people look at you, how come these people are happy even when they don't have anything? No, that's a point of point. That is the reason why in Isaiah chapter 8, he says, the children that you have given me, and we are for what? For signs and for wonders in Israel. So, where does everything shift, hopefully? You know, you look for solutions in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3. Verses 11 and verse 14. He has made everything beautiful in its in its time. And he has put what? Eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And the next place. I perceived, look at this. I perceived that whatever God does... What? 
endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And he who does the will of my father will also never pass away. He understood that. So how do we do it? What should be done? Change of perspective is necessary. Romans chapter 2 is there. It says, eternal life. In verse 7 onwards, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory, honor and peace to everyone that works good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the next verse will say, for God does not show favoritism. What does it tell me? If I live in this life, even my Christian life only for this life. Children, listen to this. Very important. If you want Jesus to only give you good marks and a good career and a good, good knowledge and a career and money, then you are in a wrong religion. You can find that anywhere else. You don't have to be a Christian for that. In fact, the gods of this world will give you more money. I'll tell you something. Some of the most intelligent people in your lab, or sorry, I always say lab, or in your office. You see them? Start solving equations in the air, getting papers left, right and center. And you want to be like them. That is what you want to be like. That's, a, that's exactly what the Israelites said. They brought them, or God brought them out of Egypt. And you know what they said to God? We want to be like the nations that are around us. And God said, what are you talking about? We want to be like them. That's exactly what even parents will say. Learn from that fellow. He works so hard. What are you doing? Always. Why? Because your life is here only. Recently my parents went to my grandparents house. My grandfather is an extremely righteous man. One of the most, I mean I've never seen a righteous man like that in my entire life. Extremely humble, hardworking, helpful, etc, etc, etc. And he asked my father, what is Vijay doing? What is this Vedantam nonsense? I am worried for him. He has two daughters. I mean, I was, I had listened to Pastor James on Sunday. He said, Grand, grandparents will even keep worrying about their grandchildren. Worry will never go out of their heads. I mean, if I were not here, let me tell you something. I would have been worse than my grandfather. The moment Abigail came out of the womb, You'll think calculating. Even even till now, I'm going to send my daughter to New Zealand. I don't know why I say that sometimes. I'm, she's going to be an Olympiad. What? Really? Wait. Hold on. You want to always run it because it's idle in your heart. It's just coming out. It's popping out. You want to live your dreams through your children. You know why? Because you're so caught up with the temporal. We need a paradigm shift. 
So what should God do? He should do something. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, let me paraphrase it, which are under the sun, but at the things which are not seen, which is under the sun. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If God has placed eternity in our hearts, the only thing which will satisfy truly our souls, and let me tell you, this is the greatest truth that you can that you can grasp today. The only thing which will satisfy truly your soul, if you invest your life for the eternal and not for the temporal. Everything, everything else is subject to futility. So if you seek pleasure, and some people come and say, should I watch movies? <laughs> you are living your Christian life here at this level. Movies have to, movies give you a high, really? Let me tell you something, what I experienced. It's subjective, by the way, like Pastor was talking about, subjective. It is subjective, but it can be yours if you believe. I enjoy God at a different level altogether. Which movies can't even give me. Do you enjoy God like that? Think. That is the reason why what we need is a radical new birth. It is impossible for us for us to see this unless we are born again. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, what? He cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what he says? Don't say the kingdom of God is there, is there, is there. It is right there inside of me, in the midst of you. It is not there and here and there. And if you are born again, you will see it immediately. Your eyes will be opened. Next, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit is of spirit. You know what? In other words, that which is born under the sun always will look at the things under the sun and that which is born from above will look at things which is from above. You need to emphasize that. That is the reason why many of you will still keep looking at Temporal things unless you are born again. And therefore some of you are really, 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 truly not born again. Many children don't, are really not born again. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 onwards, verse 18. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. This one. Which is not here, which is there. Among those who are sanctified by me in faith. And therefore what happens? Whose minds the God of this world has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. So what, what does Satan do? It just comes and blocks your mind and puts your head down like this. Always looking at the temporal, 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 temporal. And therefore you're worrying and worrying and worrying, worrying, worry, worry, worry. 
all the time. Why? Because your eyes are down here. So what do you need is a perspective change. And that is, and I believe that most of us did. But let me tell you something. This one, from darkness to light is a slow process. Even though it is objectively true, it is subjectively a slow process. We are continuously being moved out of darkness and into his light. Slowly, it's a step by step daily process. Second thing, from the power of Satan to power of God. Again, again, it is a slow process. Very, very slow process. Not instantaneous. Not instantaneous. You need to change your mind, change the way that you think over and over and over and over again. Now, some people come and ask, should I go to US? I'll say, wait. Come to church. Listen to the word. Make a decision. What did I say? Come to church. Listen to the word. Make a decision. And I'm not going to preach from the pulpit that you should not go to the US. I will never say that. Should I marry? Tari or marry? I will never say that. I say, well, you know what? Come to church. Listen to the word. Make a decision. That is the reason Tim, Tim Keller puts it beautifully. He says, everybody wants to know, what should I do, Lord? What should I do? You know what he says? Hold on, do nothing. Do nothing. Become the person God wants you to be. So that one day, you will know exactly what God wants you to do. It's like this, no? Let's say Abigail comes home. When she's like four years old. She comes and says, she's six years old now. And she says, Papa, Papa, can I go and play outside with my friend's frisbee? I said, okay, fine. Go, be careful. Don't fall. By the time it's dark, come back home. Now she's six years old now. Okay. After several years, she becomes 16 like today, Richie turned 16. And then she comes and says, Papa, 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 my friends are playing frisbee outside. Can I go? What I'll say? You know. You have your homework. You have your classwork. You have so many things to do. You You know your responsibilities. Make a decision. Whether you need to go or not. Why are you asking me? You need to understand that. See, many people want, pastor, that is the easy way out. Pastor, should I do? No, 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 no. Grow in the Lord. Grow in the Lord. Slowly grow in, grow in your salvation and one day you will know what to do. Nobody need tell you what to do. And if people don't want that. Hurry, I want solutions, Baba. Immediate answers. It's not going to happen. Never going to happen. That is the reason why in Acts chapter 2, this is what they said. And with many other words, he exhorted and testified them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. Look at this is so important. Uh, Romans chapter 16 verse 17. You don't have to turn there. It says, you know, Thanks be to God that when you were slaves to sin, you received from your heart that form of teaching that was given to you. And you obeyed. Constant. Constant. And again, Romans chapter 12. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and a perfect will of God. You know, if God were to tell some of you, you will go to China and be a missionary and you will die there. Some people will run from this church. You will run. 
God will never say what is what his plan is for plan for your life today. You know what he's going, he's going to do? He's going to slowly feed the word to you. Change your mind, change your perspective, change your mind, change your perspective. And one day, you know what? You will be ready to receive the call of God and says, God will say, go to this place, go to this place, go to this place, go to this place. And you will be able to go without even thinking twice. That, that is, that's what happens. And therefore, all this why in Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Okay. And then what happens? Once everything like this happens, you keep on changing your mind. Pleasure will be in its right perspective. Work will be in its right perspective. Search for wisdom will be in its right perspective. Righteousness, seeking righteousness, everything will fall into its right perspective. You know why? Because now by the renewing of your mind, your eyes have gone into the heavenlies and you're no longer looking at earthly things. How much to exercise, how much to watch, which movie to watch, which not to watch, etc., etc. Everything will be clear to you. This is exactly what happened to Apostle Paul. Then absolutely renewed mind and he goes on to say and he has the audacity to say, you know what, I have the mind of Christ. Look at what he says. Pleasure in its right, right perspective. Look at what he says in First Corinthians chapter 6. All things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know, this is amazing. No? When I was growing up, I had a cousin who was preparing for MSET. He had focus, crazy focus. He wanted to crack the exam. So he used to have the relaxation times. He used to time his clock to play caroms. He was crazy after carom board. Okay, He loved carom board. So he comes, times his clock, sits at the carom table, his brother is sitting on the other side. He's playing, 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 playing. And he's almost winning. He comes to the last coin. Time's up. He stops the, stops the game and he goes out. You know why? He says, you know what? Even if I missed a single minute now, 20 ranks, I will go down. Is he enjoying? Absolutely. But you know what? Is not under the power of anything because his focus is on that goal. Relaxation at its place. I remember listening to this uh, interview by uh, recently one of the ninth rankers, tennis ninth ranker. You know what he said? Do you enjoy or do you keep on playing, playing, playing? You know what he said? I go to the go sometimes to holidays, but during the holidays I don't even touch my tennis racket. Three days I enjoy my holiday and the fourth day I am right back onto the table again. On the court. Focus. Pleasure in its right place. You know why? Because he has a focus. And if in this life only, why should I? Paul says, you know what? Foods for the stomach, stomach for the foods. Some of us have to listen to this. Especially in my home. I go to, I go for Christmas to my, my auntie's place. By the time breakfast is over, they're saying what you should pre- prepare for dinner. Chapalkura, chapalpulusu, repem jayala. You know, this is, they're always thinking 
food, 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 food. But you know what Paul is saying? Stomach for the food, food for the stomach, God will destroy everything. Body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Everything in its perspective, pleasure comes into perspective. I'm not going to be mastered by any desire. Second, this is all things lawful. Again, same thing, but not all things are not helpful. Another, another perspective. This is for First Corinthians chapter 9 because there's no more chasing after the wind. Look at what he says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in a way that you may obtain it and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. You see that? In all things. Now they do it for a perish, perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, who runs? I run, thus not with uncertainty. It is not striving after the wind. No beating in the air. No, 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 no. I know what I am meant to do. Precisely. No more striving after the wind. Everything has fallen into place. You know why? Because my focus has changed completely. But I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. You know why? I have that thing in my mind. I should finish my race. I should obtain that goal. My life is not here. He says, absent with the body is present with the Lord. To be, to be here is helpful for you, but I love to go home. Perspective has changed. Second, riches, wealth will change. Perspective will change. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation which is to come. That they may lay hold of eternal life. Your wealth will change. Perspective on earning money will change. You know why? Because your perspective is not here now, it is there. That is the reason why if people were to ask you, should I tithe or not? I look at them and I say, tithe or not tithe, for you, tithe. <laughs> because they will, if you are really there, you will never say tithe, no tithe. You will say, Baba, how much ever I can give, I want to give it up to God. You know, when I went to the mission trip, I was telling, uh, telling Eric, one of the things that I have learned, Eric, we don't need much to survive. You don't need much to survive. Really. Test that with the Lord. Be generous in your giving. Not 10%. Paul then never told the Corinthian church, thou shall give 10%. You know what he said? Look at the Macedonians. They gave much more than their poverty, out of their poverty. Much more. Release, open your hands. Give as much as you can give. Because your perspectives have changed. You're not living for yourself anymore. Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart. Change your perspective. Everything will fall into place. Second, finally, which is our favorite. Uh, my favorite. I want all, everybody wants to study and gain wisdom. Right? Study will fall in its Proper place. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Study. Sadhavandi. 
Why? Unto God. The workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Warren Beersby's fantastic statement, you know what he said? He said, readers make leaders. And I have to really thank Pastor for, for, for introducing me to some treasure chest of, of authors. Absolute treasure. You know why? Study to show yourself approved unto God. And how long will you study? Till you die. That's what he tells Timothy. Please bring the parchments and my books and my cloak. I want to die studying. Why? Because my perspective has completely changed. I am gaining wisdom not for myself anymore. I want to know him. And when I go there, I don't want to be surprised. I already knew what I studied here. The same thing I am seeing there when I go there. Ask yourself this question. How many of you can endure reading? Really? You can endure movies three and a half hours. And after three hours is over also, you don't want to come out of the theater. Fifteen minutes reading? Very disciplined. Fifteen minutes reading, okay? Over. Really? Your perspective is still here. Not there. Colossians chapter 3. Look at what he says. Him we preach. What warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. I want wisdom to present every man perfect in Christ. You know what I do for this? To this end, I labor. I labor. You know why? Because I want to, I want to show Jesus to everybody. I labor, striving according to his working, which works mightily inside of me. Everything has changed. Even my study has a perspective. And I'm telling you, some of you have such brilliant minds. Study geometry. Study mathematics. Study logic. Study. Study. Make every every effort to study hard. You know what happens? One day where God will touch you, you will enjoy the book of Romans. For that sake, study. I'm telling you from hindsight, 2020 vision, okay? Back vision, 2020 hindsight. Let me tell you honestly, I'm not boasting. I know from chapters 1 to chapter 8 by heart. Romans. Logical step, everything. Step by step. And I'm not boasting, you can ask me, my Romans Bible study group. <laughs> I'm not boasting, but you know why? Because it is so logical. Step 1, step 2, step 3, step 4. Linear order. All I studied in my robotics is linear algebra. Hey, this is linear algebra. All the way to heaven. Study. Perspective change. Righteousness, your righteous works, everything will change. You know what will change? James chapter 5, chapter 1 verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion where? Before whom? Before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Your blue cross, not blue cross, because the animals don't have any soul, spirit, your red cross, everything will fall into place. You know why? Your perspective is toward heaven. Otherwise, why should you fight for abortion? Anti-abortion. Why? Why? Because you believe that soul is eternal. Perspective has changed completely. 
Now why? God has taken you from out of this temporal and into the eternal. Through new birth. That is what is encouraged here in this church. Over and over and over and over and over again. Read the word. Study the word. Let your minds be transformed. Listen to sermons. Listen to, read, read. Let your mind slowly be, it is going to take a lot of time. You know, people say, I've spent quality time with God. You can never have quality time unless you have quantity time. Let me tell you honestly. You cannot say 15 minutes quality time. No. You know, this is exactly what happens in every relationship. Okay, I've got 15 minutes. Tell me what your problems are. You want information or you want a relationship? I'm quoting somebody. <laughs> and that person knows who that is. <laughs> you see, everything has changed. You cannot have the same thing with God. You cannot have to know the mind of God unless you spend time with God. It's not going to happen. If you can't endure, now, what will happen to you when you reach heaven? When in an instant, infinite knowledge is available, you will go crazy. Or you will run for your life. Perspective change, brothers. And that is what is encouraged here. Everything will have its perspective. You know why? Why? Because now we have shifted completely from the earthly to the temporal, to through new birth. People who are not born again will not understand what I said. You will say, or if you are still a carnal Christian, you will say, tell me some principles by which I will succeed. Should I go to America or not? Please. All this finally, please tell me. No answer. Make a decision. That's what I will say. Should I marry this person? I will make a, I'll, I'll say make a decision, please. Because tomorrow you should not come and say, pastor said I married. No, 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 no. You make a decision. You make a decision. You know. Do you really know? Eric and I were discussing, I think, uh, Sam and I, he said, you know, a son knows the father's heart. Exactly what the father needs and father wants. He knows precisely what his father knows and what his father desires. Are you a son? Are you living under the son so that you will have a perspective shift? Are you still caught in the temporal? I'll tell you something. If your eyes are still in the temporal, Still on your husband, still on your wife, still on your children. Everything is subjected to futility. They will all disappoint you. Your job will disappoint you. Your career will disappoint you. Every idol will finally disappoint you. Because it's subject to futility by God himself. Change perspective, saints. Enjoy God. Enjoy his word. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. Praise you, Father, for this time. For this time, O Lord, that you grant us grace, O Lord. So many of us caught in our problems. In the temporal. In our jobs, in our careers. We're not able to look at the bigger meaning and a bigger perspective in life. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I pray, Lord, that Lord, you transport us out of the kingdom of darkness today and into the kingdom of your son. Break the blindfolds in our eyes. Disappoint us in our relationships which are not of God. 
in our careers which are not from God. Oh Father, have mercy. Fire us up for you, O Lord. Change our perspective. That we will live under your son. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.